Welcome to Think Smart, Feel Smart, Live Smart. I'm V. Vincy, Registered Counselor, Relationship and Family Therapist and Founder of Headquarters Counselling Services. This podcast aims to break down the overwhelm of life and equip you with a toolbox of knowledge, tips and tricks to help you live your best life. This raw, real and unproduced podcast uses audio taken from my weekly live broadcast in the HQCS Community Facebook group. You can find a link to the community in the episode notes. It's free to join. Now let's get started. Hi there. I'm quickly interrupting this podcast because I have something that will interest you. Do you often feel overwhelmed by your emotions? Do you find you constantly worry, fear or assume the worst is about to happen? Are you afraid your habits or behaviour could be impacting those you love? Well, you, my friend, are not alone. Over the years, I have had so many people come to me overwhelmed by the thoughts, feelings and behaviours that have started to consume their minds. It's these people who have inspired me to develop my free Bust Your Blind Spot Bootcamp, a five-day game plan to help you kickstart internal success. It's essentially a five-day online program to get you to reset, refocus and start making positive changes in your life. So if you are serious about taking the necessary steps to finally get off the hamster wheel of life, and gain freedom from anxiety and self-sabotage, register for my free Bust Your Blind Spot Bootcamp today. Honestly, this is a game changer. You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain, and the best part, it's free. Register now. You will find a link to the registration page in the show notes. Now, let's get back to the podcast. Good evening. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining me tonight for our weekly live topic. For those of you who do not know who I am, I am Vivinci. I am a registered counsellor, relationship and family therapist and founder of Headquarters Counselling Services in East Fremantle. I help people rebuild healthy minds and lives by identifying the core behaviours that need to be addressed in order for real lasting change to occur. So I'm glad to have you with me. Now, I want to do a different kind of welcome tonight too because you may have seen that the Bust Your Blind Spots Bootcamp is coming up once again beginning the 14th of June. So we've kicked off our campaign for new recruits and we've got new members to the group and I absolutely love welcoming new people in. They get to go over all the topics because everything is always available and I get to see some of the things that you guys want to talk about and weave them into the sessions. So a big welcome to our new members this week. You will see them all pop up on the uh, community. Um, And they're coming in from all over the country and internationally. So we've had a big uptake from New Zealand. So thank you for joining us. If you are watching this tonight, which might be a bit late for you guys, but if you're re-watching, welcome. Now, if you are not familiar, with the bootcamp, it's really awesome. Last time we ran this, we got over two, uh, over 300 registrations and the participation and engagement rate was fantastic for each day of the live. So it comes through where I'm doing a five day, but it's one hour per day um, of the bootcamp. And what it is, is about looking at a blind spot, trying to find something that you don't necessarily see, but others do. And the power in that is that You can't change what you're not aware of. So 
being able to see something for the first time actually helps you get a different outcome and that's what change is all about really isn't it so you are here tonight to join the weekly community delivering a range of topics for mental health well-being and i am totally going to get stuck into tonight's topic but feel free to do a catch up on where we are this year and you can do that fairly quickly by watching previous lives or listening to our podcast as i give a quick rundown each time so where are we at well we are out of may can you believe it may was aptly named stuff this it's too hard because it can really feel like pushing shit uphill, basically. Nearly in the middle, we're nearly in the middle but um, of the year, but really wanting not to be in the middle of the year, but because we actually are, it forces us to look back and say, holy shit, we are in the middle of the year, what have I done? And some of us don't like the answer, basically. If you didn't catch the topics in May, I definitely suggest you go back and have a look or for our podcasters have a listen so i had an enormous amount of contact about these topics which focused on looking at breaking promises to ourselves the polar uh, the polarizing world of routines and habits where i pretty much do a deep dive into the psychology of understanding choosing and forming habits why habits are hard to break and how to change one so the most engagement I received was on the topic of intrinsic or extrinsic motivation, which basically translates to internal or external motivation. So this is what working towards something we want from the outside or working towards something we want on the inside. So go back and have a listen because I really think it's worth it. We rounded out with what was really needed internally to maintain the movement, so to speak. And you will see there are a few key ingredients to maintaining our resolve when it comes to getting what we want, both internally and externally. Now, I focus on internal success in my business. I don't want you to keep adding in shit from the outside to make you feel better. It won't work. If it did, we wouldn't be buying so much. I focus my work and teachings on looking for internal success and may help just look at some of the factors that contribute to falling off the wagon when we're in the middle of a hard slog. But there is more to this than just routines and habits. And this aptly leads us into tune and what I have named making new pathways. So this is gonna be the month where I start talking about making new pathways. We all know everyone fell off the wagon or we haven't achieved what we wanted. Might not apply to everyone, but if it has, this is where we are. Making new pathways is a really interesting concept because even if you didn't fall off the wagon, it's something really to have a look at because we go, why do we need new pathways? And the answer, quite simply, is because some of the old ones are leading us around the garden path, up the embankment and straight back to where you started. You've got to ask yourself if all your pathways are taking you where you want. And if they are no longer pathways, then they become patterns. Patterns of behaviour, patterns of emotional reaction, patterns of thinking. When you see a pattern, it can change your life. Seeing a pattern can even make you smarter. Recognising a pattern is like looking through a telescope for the very first time as if with new eyes. You see things that you have never seen before. The same experience can happen when you see a pattern for the first time. 
Patterns are powerful. They can set up expectations, they can make connections, and they can inspire questions. They can be events that regularly repeat themselves, trends where things or events rise or fall over a period of time, and they can even be present in relationships that create new connections or consolidate old ones. Pattern recognition was key to the survival of our um, ancient ancestors. It allowed them to identify poisonous plants. It allows them to distinguish between predators and prey. And it just taught them to have a look at what is repeating. Is it helpful? Most of the time it can be helpful. What we do today is look at pattern recognition in a different way, but it's just as important because we have to start looking at are our patterns helpful or hindering? So according to IQ testing, Pattern recognition is a key determinant of a person's potential to think logically, verbal, verbally, numerically, and spatially, the Sarah of spatial awareness. Compared to all mental abilities, pattern recognition is said to have the highest correlation with the so-called general intelligence factor. The ability to spot existing or emerging patterns is one of the most critical skills in decision-making though we're mostly unaware that we actually do it all the time. Because the brain is wired to recognize patterns, everyone has the potential to be pattern smart, but often we're different in pattern smarts. Okay, so this one is always um, an absolute baffle for me. People who are numbers smart, for example, can predict from a series of numbers what the next number will be. I just call that math and I can't do it. So I don't get numbers smart people, I admire them, but it's not me. There are those who can recognize species of birds, we see them all the time over in our local park, but it's uh, from its flight pattern. And those people are nature smart. Great, I'm also not nature smart. I can appreciate nature smart, but I am certainly not smart nature smart. Do you perceive funny jokes? Do you get it? Do you understand funny jokes? Can you create one? If you are, then, and if you can, then you are word smart. Now that I get, I get word smart. Then you've got people who can visualize objects in like three dimensions. They're visually smart. So there's a lot of elements of smart. And a lot of people think that just because they're not getting a pattern means that they're not smart, but they just haven't figured out they're smart. And that's really important, especially when looking for patterns. Now, the one we often look at today is people smart. Now ask yourself, are you people smart? People who excel at deciphering the meaning of human behavior patterns are people smart. But sometimes people smart are just the people who can recognize facial expressions, recognize tone, they can see and feel the room is a little bit different. They just don't know what to do differently. Certain professions favour people smart concept, right? So the helping professions, psychology, counselling, teaching, medicine, they do want you to be people smart because you're looking and working with people. But people smart can be about identifying social cues like tone and feeling. It's about being able to decipher whether a smile is real or put on. We can often see that, we just don't say anything. In turn, we can often see this in ourselves and don't say anything. 
And that's part of the problem. Patterning can be a problem by not knowing or recognising them or recognising them and either avoiding them or doing nothing to interrupt and redirect them. The trick here is to not only know your patterns, but to catch them early enough to do something about them, to redirect them to something that is helpful, not hindering. It's easy for human beings to get stuck in patterns. Our brains love routine and habit. The problem is that many of us can get stuck with unhealthy habits and wiring without even knowing it. Hence why the last three weeks are pivotal in understanding, navigating what you want to do differently. Now it's looking at what you actually do. So where do we start? Well, patterning work is a deep, wide, simple and complex problem. There are a number of layers to patterning. Deep patterning is something that is undertaken in therapy or in group work like the Me, Myself and I program. It takes time to look at each layer. The Bust Your Blind Spots program, the boot camp which is coming up, is an introduction into finding a pattern. The set of topics I delivered over the last few weeks are often related to simple patterns, but the complex ones, they come when simple patterns have a much deeper base. And that's the work of a therapist, essentially, the world of subconscious patterning. So the beliefs behind our decisions. These patterns can drive our decisions, but rather than be conscious, they are subconscious, which means that we are not fully aware of the driver. We just end up at the destination. And these decisions become our lived experiences. Our lived experiences confirm our beliefs. We go back to the beginning and it means, is that the belief that I want to be driving where my destination ends up? So nothing highlights this more than relationships. The number one issue that brings people to me, your life experiences can make you choose a partner similar to what you know. If you're accustomed to seeing one type of relationship around you, you will more than likely choose the same patterns because it's what you know and see. Now, you may see that this pattern doesn't make those people around you happy. You may even think that you can change it for yourself or maybe even settle for thinking it's just part of being an adult. On the flip side, it might even be that these relationships absolutely make you sick and you look for the complete opposite as if you could escape the world that hounds you. Is this good or not good? Well, that depends on the pattern and the outcomes from it. I know a pattern is present and not working. If someone comes to me, I know a pattern is present and it is not working. How do I know this? Because happy people don't come to see me. Nobody wants to pay me because they're happy. It's a good thing I love dealing with emotion. But to learn from the mistakes, however, is the key to identifying the pattern that determines your options and figures out if your decisions are based on what you want to show up in your life or if they are made from the experiences that have previously showed up. This is patterning. This is when people get into a relationship and go, I don't know how I ended up here. Oh, well, we have to have a look at your patterns. That's all I do. Have a look at the patterns. If your decisions move you toward an experience you haven't had, 
or a space that you haven't been before, then you are moving forward. If your decisions move you toward re-experiencing, then patterning may be in play. So this actually happens across all realms of our life, but we really only ever begin to eventually notice them when it comes to our relationships. We begin to repeat the same behaviours over and over again with different people in our life. Sometimes I will get people and when we identify the pattern, I'll say, different person, different name, different time, same event, same result, right? So this is how patterns start to come. Our relationship patterns tend to dictate three basic things. Who we pick, so the kind of person we get into a relationship with, how we interact with them, that's the behaviours we use during the relationship, how we let them treat us. That's what we allow them to say and do with us in the relationship. What I want you to do, as usual, is apply an element of looking at patterns for yourself because we all know how easy it is to spot everybody else's flaws. But I really need these sessions to be about you. It's about what's my pattern because when you understand what you do, it's much easier for you to assess, well, is it working or what do I need to change in it before you go in looking at the other person's pattern, okay? So to make it easier though to identify yours, I'm going to break them down into five classic types that appear in relationships. So I've got an example of each type and how it plays out in different areas of your life. So you can begin to assess your patterns. Because the thing is, is that they might look different every time, but it's the same. So the first one is a pattern we call the caregiver. The caregiver, um, they play in the relationship the caregiving pattern where they are always trying to fix, they take care of or they improve the person they are with. This can happen whether the other person wants it or not. That's quite key. You might have someone who wants to be taken care of and to be fixed or maybe you keep um, partnering or becoming friends with people who don't want to change but you want to fix them. So over time this can become completely exhausting and one-sided and you'll often hear statements like I do everything around here or I did it for you you never appreciate me so if you're hearing that okay you might have found somebody's pattern but are you saying it if you are saying it then you need to look at it now in a romantic relationship or an intimate relationship it can look like this you pick partners you want to change you think if I could just get them to fill in the blank, then he or she would be much better off. Now, over time, this can cause resentment, especially if the other person doesn't want to change. Or worse, they do change for you and you still want more. Now, in a professional world, it looks like you keep having the same boss or colleague over and over and over again. You change jobs, same shit, different place where they completely rely on you for their emotional support. They constantly want to debrief in your office, they get overly personal at work, or worse, ask you to do more than your fair share because they just need to do this one thing. All right, so have a think about that one. The second one is called the alpha. This is a different pattern. 
The alpha is the opposite relationship pattern to the caregiver. So this is when you want to be the one in charge. You dictate the rules and habits of the relationship uh, and you only like being in relationships where you can be the driver or the chief decision maker. So as a friend, this is what it looks like. You're the one who always chooses where to eat, what to do and then to hang out. Now, this can be good if you like being in charge and the other person wants you to take the lead on social decisions. But this can be bad if you don't listen to the other person's needs. These are not a bad, remember, I haven't said that these patterns are good or bad. It's how you apply it. So it's about looking, am I, am I helping or hindering with my pattern? It's about becoming aware of it so that you can adjust it if necessary. In an intimate relationship, the alpha usually initiates talks and big relationship steps, such as saying, I love you first, or wanting to move in together. The alpha often wants to control. They often want to control their partner's actions and feelings. And if not kept in check, the alpha will be completely domineering and controlling. In a professional sense, it's like a controlaholic colleague okay so or a micromanaging boss if you notice yourself constantly partnering with or working under an alpha boss it can be difficult to state your needs and sometimes an alpha colleague is great because they share what they want very clearly other times you have to fight to be heard because they don't let you say a word now the next one is what we call the parent so do you ever feel as though you are parenting your partner or that you are the mum of the friend group? You might be accidentally getting into parent-child relationships. That is a pattern. Sometimes this can happen with eldest children who were used to taking on a bigger role growing up because they often an eldest child is, is given the statement, well, you should know better, but they're probably six. They're just older. They don't know any better, but they're given an added layer of responsibility and that tends to permeate through their whole life. Um, it can happen when individuals with a strong maternal or paternal instinct, it's like they're very protective. If you're quite protective as a personality, you can find yourself wanting to parent everyone and keep everybody safe. Remember, this doesn't have to be bad. It can be a pattern that is important to recognise in yourself. In friendships, uh, the parent can be the one that's always coordinating and making sure everyone is taken care of. The role can be really good for a group if your mothering is appreciated, but it can turn bad if you are chastising or punishing friends or um, for bad behaviour and you're the one, you don't listen. And everyone, this is where we get this, I feel excluded from my friendship group because they don't want to tell you that you're being domineering. So what do they do? They just exclude you. All right, parent, child. In a relationship, it looks like this nagging, nagging about the bills, nagging about cleaning up, not loading the dishwasher. You might be taking on the parent role with them. If it works for your household, great, but be careful because parenting a partner can be the absolute opposite of romantic or sexy, okay? Professional, um, professionally, the parent role can look like... Um, Let's see, you give giving advice, giving advice to the colleagues, supporting their career, giving them constructive criticism, that can work. But 
you've got to be careful that you don't see their successes as your successes or their failures as your failures. This is when the parenting role at work can override a professional relationship. Then we get something we call the codependent pattern. This relationship happens when you and your partner immediately become a unit, both giving up a lot of your individuality. This can be good if you are healthy support systems for each other, but it can end up being really terrible if you are doing everything together. We call it morphing. You morph into the same person. You lose your individuality. You stop having your own friends. You stop doing your own activities. You become completely reliant on the other person for social, emotional, and um, psychological support. It's exhausting. And it's not very functional. It, it doesn't lead to good adult um, connections. In friendships, codependent friendships become suffocating. They can be both supporting and stunting. So in a supportive way, you're, you know, you're pretty close and it's great and you can hang out together and you can support each other. But when you're stunting, you hold each other back to maintain the um, completely connected relationship. It can come across as being jealous or possessive. So be mindful and be honest. You've got to be honest with yourself and have a look at it. In a romantic relationship, it begins to look like a partner who um, gives up everything for the other person to make them feel loved and to please them. So it's looking for approval. This sort of codependence causes isolation. So in negative codependent relationships, both partners may stop seeing other friends or family or abandon hobbies or activities. So it can be really, really dangerous. This, there are times in codependence where it is complete dysfunction and this can underpin some of our uh, abusive relationships, okay? So some abusive partners will set it up so that that person, the partner, becomes isolated from everything so that they maintain control. Now, the last one, it's called the push-pull relationship and this is probably the relationship pattern that brings most people to my office. It's constant up and down. It's breakups, makeups, you're on, you're off. Um, it's pretty chaotic. It can be volatile. It doesn't have to be violent, but it can be volatile. That is a classic push-pull relationship. So here's how it goes. One person feels the relationship is perfect, but the other wants some space. The space seeker pulls back, which makes the nester cling on. And they cling on even harder, which makes the space sister seeker absolutely run for the hills. This is push-pull. You might always be the puller, the one who needs the space and pulls away. Or you might be the pusher, the one always pushing for more time, more intimacy, more connection. Or you might swing back and forth. If it sounds familiar, then you have a push-pull pattern. Your breakups can be rough, but you are never truly broken up at the end of the day. And that's how it looks in a romantic relationship. In a friendship, it's the clingy friend. It's the one who gets upset if your text isn't answered within the first two minutes. It's um, sometimes follow, it, it's intense. It can be too intense when nobody gets a space to have a break. 
So it's often hard to rely on those friendships because they are so up and down. In a professional sense, you are less likely to see a negative push-pull relationship or environment because of the nature of work, and it often has ebbs and flows. Some weeks you are working with a colleague intensely, other weeks you are going off doing your own thing. The key here is to be settled with that kind of flow. If you are the one that likes to push or work closely, you have to be ready for downtimes or periods when people need to work independently. If you are the puller, you like working all on your own, you need to make space to work with others. It's about becoming aware of which pattern you have and finding a balance in between. And that really goes through a whole lot of them. It's just becoming aware of which pattern am I? Now, if none of the five patterns above sound quite like you, then there are more patterns to look at and we can cover that another time. And if you really, really want it covered, comment on this post and let me know and I will add it in for you. But remember, none of these patterns are good or bad. It's important to know the strengths and pitfalls of each one and to be honest with yourself and your life about your patterns. You cannot change what you're not aware of. So you've got to ask yourself these questions. Do I have the same pattern in all areas of my life? Does my pattern change in work, friends, romance, uh, intimate relationships? What triggers cause my patterns to become negative or unhealthy? Because sometimes you might find that your pattern works for a while until it doesn't. And if it's not, then we've got to look at it. Okay, so what triggers can cause your pattern to become negative or unhealthy? Next question, how does my pattern change how I engage in conflict? So have a think about that, especially with the push-puller. You, if you've got someone who wants to push and then the other person wants to flee, there's no resolution, there's no discussion because they can't meet. One's, one's yelling behind and one's running away. So you've got to have a look. How does it affect how I use my pattern in conflict resolution? Last question, should I fight the pattern or leverage it? So in other words, is the way I am using my pattern helping me or hindering me? So as usual, please leave comments um, for me in the post. I will answer everything that you need and I will see you next week. Reach out if you need to know anything and thank you for joining me. See ya.